We are a six that are not going to be blown away by the wind or the tide. Well, I hate to break it to people, but the tide comes up pretty quickly. Suri, you are the woman who over a decade ago got up off the couch to come try this game Survivor. These are the moments you were looking for. This challenge is over, but we will stay here with you if you want to try to conquer this. One of the most powerful moments on Survivor. Although we lost the challenge, if I didn't try to complete it, I would have felt like a complete failure. When we were leaving the challenge, I look over at Michaela and I see a secret advantage. With Survivor, to be a game changer, you gotta be looking constantly for idols and clues, and now I have a secret advantage. It is inconceivable for anybody to conclude at this point that there is anything other than a strong six sitting here tonight. I feel like the six is super tight. I don't see why anybody should break, and I don't think we will. You take the shot the moment you get the opportunity. It might be time for me to make my move. The best time is right now. Tenth person voted out the third member of our jury. Debbie, Travis Broker. <sighs> Total blindside. Hey friends, welcome to Post Tribal ET Canada Survivor Game Changers Podcast. Another big night, another blind side, and another week of the breakdown of it all on Post Tribal. Parvati Shallow is here as always. Great to have you back, babe. Erin, it's always such a pleasure. And now that we're talking about breakdowns, we are really getting into this season of full-on meltdowns. Lots of breakdowns happening. <laughs> lots of breakdowns, lots of meltdowns, and of course, a pretty epic blindside to poor Debbie. And I think it's fair to say that she absolutely had no idea that one was coming. Yeah, but is it fair to say poor Debbie, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're right. But you know, I do like Debbie a lot. She's fun to watch, <laughs> even when she's completely confusing. Yeah, I mean, however, what a trip. Oh, what a trip. I can't wait to talk to her about this cockiness. Because her overconfidence, and we've seen this before since we've been doing the podcast and since Survivor has begun, is that confidence really can be your undoing. Do you think that's really what took her down? Yeah, for sure. No question. I mean, my favorite line of the episode last night was when they went on the reward and Debbie was in the plane saying, I mean, I'm the captain in the Air Force Reserves. I fly all the time. These people, they don't get to be in planes as much. So just watching their faces was a delight for me. It's like, who are you, lady? <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. She was definitely getting under people's skin. Aubrey being one of them mm. and I didn't think Aubrey went to great lengths to hide her feelings towards Debbie's perception of power and control over the game yeah I'm really glad that we saw Aubrey step up and do some strategizing this episode who knows what she's been doing behind the scenes that we haven't seen so far but watching her roll her eyes after Debbie said I think it really worked out well and then the cut to Aubrey rolling her eyes at the camera. I mean, it's just survivor gold. Pretty classic, absolutely. Well, we're going to get to Debbie very soon, but first, let's go back and sort of break down this past episode. We had 11 going into it, the very strong majority alliance of six, Sierra, Brad, Debbie, mm -hmm. Troyzan, Sarah, and Ty, versus a pretty fractured group of Sari and Andrea, Zeke, Michaela, and Aubrey. 
Now, really, the only way, especially for Andrea to make anything happen is to make amends with Zeke. And in some ways, it looks like she did in order to save herself. You think that was a good move on her part? Yeah, I think Andrea's playing smart. She really doesn't have anywhere else to go at this point in the game. And so she has to work with Zeke. And you do what you got to do. I think when we learned from Stephen Fishback, right, back in the day when he came up with the idea of voting blocks, I mean, it seems like that's really what's happening, even though Andrea was basically blindsided by her one of her tightest allies, Zeke, and she's upset emotionally about it. It would be really bad gameplay to not work with him just because you're mad at him right now. She needs him. Right. So she's going to yeah. have to mend those fences. There's only, there, you have to Absolutely. break up this group of six, which, I mean, we saw yeah. that go down, which was fun to watch. No one wants to watch it six fun. people cruise to the end. No, it would have been easy. And I think Sarah made a very good point in saying when she played before, she took the safe route. And this time, she wasn't going to let other people dictate her fate in the game. She still said she hadn't decided and she was going to decide in tribal. But to me, it feels like she knew that she had to break up that six because even though she was part of it, she was definitely on the bottom. And that is not a good place to be. You think, but then they threw us off by showing us that conversation that Sarah had with Sierra and Sierra saying I want to take you to the final three you me and Debbie let's go all the way sister I mean at that point it looked like Sarah was considering her proposition until Aubrey I... stepped up and said hey Debbie's throwing you under the bus <laughs> now what yay Aubrey I wonder if Sarah would have made that move had that conversation not happened I feel like there was a part of her who wanted to not being part of the group decision and not being brought in I think that really got under her skin a little bit. Yeah, I also I agree with you. And I also think that Sari, when they showed the conversation that Sari was having with Sarah in the hammock, and Sarah was saying, I mean, what do you think? Do you think I would get the respect from the jury and get the votes? And Sari goes, you want me to be honest with you? No, it doesn't look like yeah. you've done anything. You're going to get to the end, and they're going to all say, oh, she rode coattails to get here, and no one respects that. I think that that really sunk in to Sarah's head at that oh. point. Sari, I mean, she's really subtle with the way that she plays, but she plays an excellent game because she's so subtle. Mm. People aren't even aware when she's manipulating them. And that was a great move yeah. from Sari to say that. Yeah, I, I forgot about that move. That was almost a little bit of a therapy session right there in the hammock. And that's how Sari delivers mm -hmm. her manipulation is very much like a counselor, someone you trust, someone you can divulge to yeah. and that will give it back to you straight. Yes, you very well played to, there. Like, you just want to be around her because she's just like a fun, like a sweet person to be around. And her energy is so calming that in that game of paranoia. And Sarah, she's a cop and, you know, she's always on the lookout. She's always paying attention to detail, can get caught up in the paranoia. To have someone that's grounding like Sari... That's a, mm. that's a strong force. That's a strong connection for her. Absolutely. I wonder if they will continue to play together moving forward. It'll be fun to watch. We don't know whether or not Sarah made the right move for her game, but it was a, I think it was a great move for the show and for us as fans. Why don't you think that Sierra or Brad were targeted? Why did they decide to go for Debbie? Well, they made it look like it was because of Aubrey's conversation with Sarah. And that's why they went with Debbie. Mm -hmm. In my eyes, that's what I'm seeing is like that being the reason. 
But it could be any number of reasons. I mean, Debbie, I think, would probably be a hard pill to swallow day in and day out when you're starving and at your breaking point mm -hmm. because she was getting so uh -huh. cocky and so over the yeah. top with her verbiage and her attitude and her behavior. <laughs> I think that Brad and Sierra, uh -huh. they're probably just easier to be around when yeah. when you're just hanging out during the day. But also, I mean, who knows? Maybe they thought Brad or Sierra had an idol. There could have been that kind of talk that we just didn't see in the episode last night. Ooh, well, I can't wait to find out. Was it the breakdowns? Was it the overconfidence or the cockiness? Was it the fact that she got to go off and get rewarded with Cochrane? Who knows? But coming up next, we're going to break it all down with the one, the only, Debbie. That was absolutely a blind side. That one I did not see coming. I thought I had a lock, stock, and barrel solid six. And 20 minutes ago, I would have told you that six was not going to break. But what surprises me is that anybody would flip and now is going to be probably in a worse position. I'm stunned. Hello, Debbie. Welcome to Post Tribal. You're on the line with Parvati Shallow and me, Erin Sebula. Welcome. Hi, ladies. I think we spoke last year about this time. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Debbie, you're back to back. How has your recovery been since yeah, going? Yeah, we got to stop meeting like this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> How has it been for you since watching all of that go down last night? Oh, you know what, girls? It's a game. I have no ego, and once again, I'm just fine with it all. You know, you get a little bit caught up when you're in it, but at the end of the day, we were playing a complicated game, and... It's all in good sport, for me at least. Yeah? Okay, let's talk about that, Debbie, because you say this, and I believe you, but watching this season's edit, you had some really, really big moments, and a lot of them came across as quite emotional. First of all, your breakdown with Brad that you seem to get over quite quickly, and then this sort of perception, especially in this last episode, of some like real confidence slash cockiness. Break those uh -huh. scenarios down for us. First of all, with Brad, what happened there? Was there something we missed because you seemed very distraught? Um, you know, even before the game started, I, I had the utmost respect for Mrs. Culpepper, Monica. I, I felt like I could relate to her because of her age, you know, her weight, um, being called the goat, et cetera, et cetera. And I just thought she played and conducted herself with such dignity as, as much as you can muster out there and hey she made it to the end and and then and then the jury grilled her like relentlessly and she still held up well so i had an awesome amount of respect for monica culpepper mm -hmm. and then seeing brad play i thought that brad just got a, a, a bad rap somehow because he seemed like a pretty decent guy to me so I had gone in wanting to align with somebody that I could protect and they could protect me, knowing that I would be perceived as the old lady, weaker player. I knew it had to be a strong person, and, and therefore I initially wanted it to be Brad. And that never ended. I was never going to throw Brad under the bus. Look, Brad says in the clip that you see on TV, is she acting? You see me laughing. You know, was I over the top and, and, you know, under all the stress, duress, and, you know, provocation, prodding, poking, um, being, um, you know, without my Snickers bar and being hangry, <laughs> it, it looked a, a lot ridiculous. But the truth is, Brad had an idea 
of, of what and why was happening. Everybody was targeting Brad. I had to let people continue to be comfortable coming to me and telling me that Brad was the target. It, it's the reason Ozzy went. Because when Ozzy and I had a conversation and I said, Oz, who do you want out? Brad Culpepper first, Sierra Dawn number two. So part of it was me actually being like just tired and, and exhausted and, you know, pushed hard nose something you like break. Mm -hmm. And um, the other part was Brad knows what's going on and I need people to continue to tell me that they want him out. And mm. therefore Brad and I will take that out. So it's part emotionally snapping and part strategy. Okay. Yeah, and part sheer exhaustion. Yeah, part okay. I just can't control okay. myself anymore. We get it. We understand. Yeah, like, yeah, like, it, it's almost worse than an insane asylum because at least those people are really nuts. I mean, it's it really part of, you know, um, it's hard to explain when people haven't played, but on every level, it's a physical, mental, it's a soul sucking, you know? Yeah. It's those things. Yeah. From Harry Potter. What do they call them? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and we're seeing a lot of that with this season especially. It seems to be really taking a big-time emotional toll on the contestants out there. Uh, yeah. But it looks like, Debbie, that you were able to mend fences with Brad fairly easily because all of a sudden when you guys merge, you guys are back together, part of this super strong six. And then you were saying that you wanted to protect him. Everyone's going after him. But wait. Actually, they switched and voted you out before Brad and Sierra. Why do you think that they targeted you before Brad and Sierra this time? Well, it was easy to mend fences with Brad because the fence was never broken. Mm -hmm. There was never a point where I was going to throw Brad under the bus or betray him. You know, in a game with no loyalty, I had some. I mean, I don't know how long it was going to last. But anyway, that's why it appeared so easy to mend those fences, because it never broke. Okay. Um, why did they go after me? Well, some people seem to think that I was actually the leader of that alliance. Some people probably thought that Brad or Sierra had a good chance of an idol, and, you know, I would be the total surprise vote. That's my speculation, and I honestly can't speak for anybody's actual motives but that would be what I would surmise. Yeah. Okay, we're talking about mending fences and broken fences. Let's talk about the fence that is you and Aubrey. You played together before. Last time, she was quite instrumental in blindsiding you. I think she was pretty key in that again last night. Where do you two stand, and why have you never been able to connect? Well, outside of the game, I would say that we stand just fine. Yeah. Um, I think she's a wonderful lady. She's from one of my favorite places, Boston. You know, we talked, and she sent me some very nice messages. Inside the game, well, you know, we both probably had the same mindset. I can't trust her. She can't trust me. Now, that's already going into a game where you're telling yourself, I can't trust Erin. She can't trust me. That's mm -hmm. the thing that's in the forefront of your mind. I really don't have people I trust 100%. So for Aubrey, because what had happened in Co-Wrong, that was still there, and I think that's why we really never got on the same page. Plus, she was also on the opposing tribe, right. and my Nuku tribe had a really tight bond. I, you know, by and large, we just really hit it off and liked each other as individuals, and she just started out on an opposite tribe. 
Mm. So we were pretty much determined that we were going to stay that Nuku strong as long as it was feasible, and she just wasn't in that alliance. Mm. And from my perspective, Debbie, watching you, it did look like you were making some power moves and in a leadership position in your alliance. I mean, welcome to the blindsiding Aussie club. There's only a select few in that club. Congratulations. <laughs> you may, you pulled it off. Is that poverty? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be the club of you, right? <laughs> well, it's you. <laughs> it's me. Sari was part of that. You know, there's, there's a few of us in there. But um, this, I mean, in my opinion, that was your biggest move of the season. Tell us about that. Well, I hate to even bring it up because I'm sick of talking about it to some degree, but if you will remember when Varner was talking at Tribal trying to save his skin and he said there's deceit going on, but what he actually said next was, Ozzy is in an alliance with Andrea and Zeke. So, you know, amongst all of that, you kind of file that in the back of your brain and... I, Nemo, that's my dog, sorry. <laughs> so all that over with that drama and trauma, and Ozzy and I go for a walk, and I say, look, Oz, you know, cards on the table, because I like Ozzy immensely, mm. uh, good guy. And I say, who do you want out? And he says, Brad Culpepper or Sierra. So I was glad he was comfortable still to tell me that, that Brad was the target of the other side. And at that point, I'm, I'm nowhere near taking out the two people I have in my gut. I mean, it was a visceral feeling I could trust Brad and Sierra. So that's why it was Ozzy. But his name had been tossed about from the get-go, from day one, actually. Uh, he's such a powerful player. Of course, the blind side of Ozzy was a great move for you, a powerful move, and you did it with an extra vote that you picked up on Exile Island, which I have to say was one of the best surprises of the season. I loved it. It's the last thing we expected to yeah. see. I'm sure it's the last thing you expected to experience, especially when Cochrane shows up. Just take us through what was going through your mind in that moment. Well... You know, you're unrolling your mix-up buff there. Oh, God, we're getting, you know, tossing the salad again. And I just keep unrolling it, and there's nothing. And I say, okay, look on the bright side. I get some peace and quiet. You know, Parv, I'm out of the cacophony. The yeah. constant jibber-jabber, jibber-jabber, you know, the paranoia. Okay, man, at least my brain can take a break for three days. Yeah, so I'll starve. I'll eat later when I get off. But then, you know, we're in this little boat, and I see this big boat, and I'm still thinking, like, oh, they're stashing some goodies, some extra film. I don't know. That's where they keep, you know, the Johnny Walker top-shelf green bottles. <laughs> and then I see this little sign, Welcome to Exile. So I just couldn't stop laughing. But you know, there, was, there was two scenes, because I was on there for three days, that should have made it. One was climbing to the top of the boat, yelling, I'm king of the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, unfortunately, that was on the Titanic, and we all know how that ended. And the um, the second one, Too sitting sad. down with an entire chicken, fava beans, and saying, you know, I, I'm going to have this with uh, nice. some fava beans and a nice fiancé. Yeah, like Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> but, you know, and then Cochran shows up, and I know Cochran has his detractors. I mean, for God's sakes, there's people out there who bash Mother Teresa. It's a sick, sick world we live in. But it was very cool <laughs> to spend some time with somebody who had no 
incentive or interest in stabbing me in the back. No, no. So he actually, it was very clear. No, he wanted to help you. Yeah, he gave you a lot yeah. of love. So, he even gave you a hug. And from what Parv told me, he's like a little bit of like a personal space guy. So, you know, he, he got it oh, there. Yeah. Gave you a lot of love. It was, it it was, was actually a very really... long hug, Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he did. Have you talked to him since? I have not. Oh, I man, not. I wonder. Well, I hear through the grapevine that, you know, he too had a pleasant meeting. I mean, how proud can you be when I got voted off in 10th place? The truth is we're two different people with two completely different personalities. And, you know, you can give people all the advice that you want. At the end of the day, I am not an, and I mean this with all due respect, a neurotic, OCD, hyper-paranoid person who analyzes what I'm going to do with hand-wringing and, uh, you know, a thousand times overplay because I would just make myself insane in the end. Yeah. So where I, you know, appreciated his advice, I- I'm still me. And yeah, and we're um, grateful I- that I got you're my still you, Debbie. It's always fun talking yes. with you. Yes. Well, thank you. I don't know if you remember in Fiji, <laughs> Debbie, but we had, I had a little, had you do a little exercise where you wrote down the three things that you wouldn't do as a game changer this time around. Number one. I do recall that. Do you remember, do you remember what you wrote down? I, I do not. I'm okay. sorry. No, that's okay. Nobody remembers. Are you kidding me? You've been through a lot. Don't even worry about it. Number one, though, right. you wrote mm-hmm. trust Aubrey, which I'm guessing okay. you followed that rule. Uh, number two, you wrote eat a f***ing snail, which is fabulous. <laughs> did you eat one? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I did not. not. I did not. I, I did eat an eel, but I didn't eat a snail. You didn't eat yes, a <laughs> Never doing that again. Okay, good. And number three, you said get voted off, which I'm sorry to say oh. you weren't able to follow. But you always have another chance of Survivor. I think we all know that the door never closes. Would you do this game, play this crazy game again? Yeah. Yeah, with one of you two. <laughs> Erin, yeah. let's get you I, on the show. I, I know that's not me that you're referring to, Debbie. Come on. <laughs> well, why not, Erin? Why not? Are you kidding why me? Why not? going to have... You know what? I might as well take Parv into a game with a freaking bullseye just painted on her back, front, forehead, and buttocks. I mean, that's how much of a target they're going to be gunning for her. Are you kidding? Yeah, oh, you're not going to have to paint anything on <laughs> yeah. me. It's just going to be there. But we can bring Erin for like our shield. Like flashing. <laughs> oh, I'm not being a goat or a shield. Forget it. <laughs> I yeah, honestly, but, ladies, um, I am much more comfortable talking about Survivor than playing it. And Debbie, we're so glad you could be on our show to talk about it because you cleared up a lot you. and you're always a gem. Thank you so much for joining Post Tribal. So fun talking with you, Debbie. Thank you so much, both of you. I find her to be so entertaining. She is funny. Oh, she's so unique. I think she's one of the quirkiest people to have ever played Survivor. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, absolutely. My yeah. favorite thing yeah. is when she says, okay. I have no ego about it. And then goes into what her <laughs> ego has to say. She never, she never quite answered the cockiness question for us. But I think we know how she would have Maybe one day it. we'll get it. I kind of think we would have too. Okay, so we go from one of the quirkiest people to one of the most powerful moments ever on Survivor, in quotes. That is a direct quote from... Yeah, like, are you saying this or yeah. is someone else saying this? Someone else Who's said this. this? A, a Mr. Jeff Probst said this. In reference mm. to Ceree's attempt at finishing the reward challenge and the tribe helping to motivate her across. Now, 
this was blown up into, you know, quite a big moment on the show. And yeah, you know, it had its emotional moments. But to me, it felt like just a little heavy handed. Where were you at in watching that challenge? I thought it was hilarious. I was waiting because you know what's going to happen when you're a fan of the show and you see a challenge happening and then you see things kind of slow down, the shots get a little more dramatic, the music start to get more dramatic and slower music. You're like, what's happening? This is a challenge. Like, why are they slowing down the music? Some kind of dramatic moment is about to unfold or it's about to be... um, created by Jeff right now. So what is he going to create right now? What's going on? So I was like, I was really curious about what they were going to do to make us emotional this episode. And the Sari balance beam experience and her crying, it's like everyone is, that's why I said that at the beginning of our, of our podcast, everyone's melting down, crying, breaking down. It seems that this season is really affecting our contestants in a big way emotionally this time. And what they're doing is, Now, the show, on the show, they're showing more of those moments of people crying. And I really did like seeing Sarah. I mean, you just see her heart when she said, well, is someone going to help her? And she just jumps in and helps her across the beam. It didn't need to be as played up. And then this huge conversation at Tribal Council where Jeff's trying to make Sari cry again. I mean, I thought that was a little overkill. But the moment I thought was, mm-hmm. it was sweet. It's a yeah, sweet moment. It was. I, I think what we've seen a few times in this season that I do like to see is when competitors step up for each other in these emotional moments yeah. and back each other up. We saw it with Varner, of course, and we saw it with Sari. It must be humiliating to be in that moment and tough to lose a challenge for your team. And I think also, too, to have it keep being brought up and played out. I think she handled it. You're right. She handled it with grace. Yeah. I I mean, I agree. I think the more powerful statement there was Sarah jumping in the water to help Suri and saying, hey, even though this is a competition, we've seen what happens when people get pushed to the edge and let the animal instinct or the fear or the desperation take over. And when people are able to step outside of the competition and be human and compassionate for one another, that, to me, like, that's powerful. Why didn't Jeff bring that up at Tribal? Agreed. That was the story. Now, another thing Sarah did, Sarah was a really, uh, she really stood out in this episode, and I like that because she's such a solid human being. Now, Michaela was forced to sit out in the challenge because she wasn't picked, uh, which I'm sure is still bothering her. And to (laughs) to know that right underneath, the bench where she was sitting was a secret advantage that Sarah, the cop with her cop scanning eyes, was able to find. Now she has the opportunity to steal a vote. This is huge, Parv. Mm-hmm. This is huge. Yeah. And the biggest thing here is it shows the level of maturity, too, because when you have mm-hmm. a little more life experience, you're a little older with emotions. I mean, I, this is, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is my take, is that you're able to step outside of your emotional reaction and still remember, oh, I'm playing a game I want to win. And I think when I came to Michaela, her being totally oblivious to that secret advantage just shows that she's so consumed and caught up with her emotions in the moment that it's really hard for her to see anything else outside of that. Yeah. So I don't know if that was like a maturity thing or if it's just like she just hasn't developed the awareness to be able to have emotions and then also to be still in the game at the same time. But man, that's Mm -hmm. a big 
bonus, a big opportunity for Sarah. And we heard her say, you know, a lot of people have gotten this extra vote advantage, but they haven't played it right. I am going to be the first person to play this thing right. And she sounded very convinced and very convicted, and I'm pumped to see what she Me too. So, Parv, what is playing it right? It can only be used before a final five. When is the right move? When is the right time? Who is the right person? Gosh, in this circumstance with this group, (laughs) who's the biggest threat? I mean, right now, it's crazy because it looks to me like there's no clear-cut, perfect winner there. I mean, Brad Culpepper is in a solid position. He's been making alliances. He's been calling a lot of shots. He hasn't been stepping up and playing too alpha of a game. But then there's Sierra, who's his right-hand woman, and it looks like everyone thinks Mm -hmm. that Sierra is sort of the puppet master calling the shots, pulling the strings. But then, really, the biggest threat, in my opinion, is Sari. You let Sari get to the end, and she wins this game hands down. So, gosh, you have a few people that could be really solid threats to take the winning prize at the end. But how is Sarah going to use that? I mean, it looks to me like she doesn't care about playing it safe anymore. I mean, she could get a couple of people together and blindside a big threat later on. But I think holding on to that until as long as she can would be a good move. Yeah. And also, absolutely. there's always the opportunity I... to tell someone that you have this extra vote and really freak them out and shake things up that way. Well, we you did see that speaking, right, though. Speaking of Suri, and I agree with you that she has this incredible quiet power in her. We see in our tease for next week that Andrea and Suri approach Sierra the player that some believe is making the big moves, about making another move. Basically, Andrea says to Sierra, you would be on board to vote for whoever, right? Then we cut to Zeke, the Troizan, and Brad. Could this be the end of that power alliance? I think what happens is when the deck gets reshuffled, like we saw it get reshuffled, to use Zeke's quote, then... It's the fixation that people had on, this is our solid six, we're going to go to the end with this six. That is totally gone. So you don't have that kind of security going in to the game the next day when you lose someone from your majority alliance. There's no majority alliance anymore. So, yeah, anything could happen now. I love it. Yes, Zeke says, now that the game's been broken up, I can finally play how I want to play. So I guess we'll see next week if he has an ace or two up his sleeves or if anybody else does too. I have a feeling it's going to be a good one. Thanks again, Parv, for all of your brilliant insight. And thank you everybody for tuning into Post Tribal. We will, of course, be back next Thursday with all your survivor action. See you then. 